Dr. Kane's current district, Pearland, boasts an exemplary rating by the state. Waco ISD is looking up in the rankings in Pearland, with some schools in the district in previous years having received unacceptable ratings. As the state mandated 21-day waiting period to make her eligible for official hiring draws to a conclusion next week, Bonnie Kane has continued a process of getting to know the district that began when she first expressed interest in the job. She sees a district that's glory days are currently a memory, but with potential to achieve those heights again. Waco is just like any other district, and it's just like any other professional basketball or sports team. You know how one time the Cowboys were riding high, and they won everything, and then the next thing everybody's going, why haven't we seen them in the Super Bowl? You know, yeah. what happened? Well, schools are like that. At one time, Waco was a powerhouse. Waco was like the Central Texas golden child. I mean, Waco was the place to be, and now Waco does not necessarily have that reputation. And it really doesn't, when I say it doesn't matter how they got there, there's naming and blaming. You know, you name things to say this needs to be fixed as opposed to, well, this went on or that went on. That The blaming needs to be out and just labeling the situation. I think what has happened, the demographics have shifted from what Waco was at one time. The, the, the child they served at one time is not the child they're serving now. And that for whatever reason, there wasn't a shift in serving those children and getting them what they need. For instance, if you've got um, very wealthy parents, if the school district isn't doing their job and isn't doing, you know, maybe meeting that child's needs, the parents could go to a private school. They could take their child out. They could get their own tutor. They could do whatever. But if you have a child who's from poverty and uh, the school district's not doing what it needs to be done or, or what's happening in the classroom isn't what's happening, that parent doesn't have that option necessarily. So the school has got to make certain that, that it oversees all those children and all that instruction to make certain that's happening, where that may not have had to happen in a more affluent area. So that's one thing that I think happened. I don't think that shift was made. Uh, and, and I don't know this. I'm looking from afar. I see a lot of programs, a wide array of programs, and I don't necessarily see how they're tied together. Now, they may be, you know, the continuity may be there, and I just can't see it, but just at first blush, it looks like there's been a lot of efforts to, to fix some things. There may be some programs that we could do away with, and some others that need to be, you know, maybe shifted. I think it's looking at that big picture, taking out what's not working, making certain what's working is supporting, is, is supported. Also with the uh, economics, I'm really concerned, and I'd be saying this no matter what district you're talking about, uh, about the economic, you know, what's going to happen as a result of this legislative session. And it's after things like that happen, look at what you have, certain things you may not be able to afford anymore and, and getting that community input and that support and that understanding that this isn't leaving because we don't want it. This is leaving because we have a choice of X or Y. You're taking a look at some of the numbers in Waco ISD, a primarily minority district. You have close to 90% of the students coming from economically disadvantaged situations. What, what sort of challenges does that present to the district, and how does that differ from your situation in Pearland, which has a, a different makeup? If you look at Pearland overall and Waco overall, uh, they look very different. But if you look at pockets of Pearland, you know, I have schools that are over 50% low SES, so it's what you do. To, to see, you know, if I know what to do with those students, you would go to that school, take out their data, and say how are those kids doing, and what you're going to find is they're outperforming uh, many of the other schools. I've got 
LAWN, L-A-W-H-O-N, which is one of our high, low SES elementary schools, is outperforming Massey Ranch, which is a much higher socioeconomic uh, school, uh, school, and it's an international baccalaureate accredited school. So um, we know how to work with students from poverty. When you started talking seriously about this job, obviously the Waco School Board had lots of questions for you, but did you have any questions for them about the district, about the job? Oh, sure, sure. You know, there, there's, there's always questions whenever you uh, look at that. It's, uh, and, and actually the board said that to me. They said that they hoped I had questions because, you know, there's the right person for the school and the right school for the person. And, uh, and I appreciated them saying that. So what, what I wanted to know was, you know, what are the board's priorities? You know, what very first thing they want and what's the second thing? And I kind of ask individually, you know, what, uh, what they would like to see changed and, you know, maybe one thing they did not want to see changed. Uh, it was questions like, uh, would they be interested in expanding advanced academics? I think you have like a 7.7% uh, identified, uh, and I, I think it's better for those programs if you would identify up to like 10%. I asked if they would uh, be receptive to including incentive pay programs for uh, different areas, but, you know, AP, IB, um, how long they're each planning on staying on the board, too. <laughs> Tomorrow, we'll conclude our week-long interview with Dr. Bonnie Kane as she focuses on strengths, weaknesses, and goal setting in Waco ISD. Our prior segments and stories are online at kwbu.org. For KWBU News, I'm Derek Smith.